Hello and welcome to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel and the Romero's Living Dead Retrospective Podcast, where every Friday we'll be covering a new installment in the classic horror franchise. Warning, this podcast contains strong language and spoilers throughout. Go to weirdgeeks.com to check out our other podcast series, social medias, Twitch streams, contact details, and news on our very own feature films, albums, and shorts that are currently in production for our publisher, We Are Tessellate. Weird Geeks is not affiliated with any of the rights holders of the films referenced, and no infringement is intended. Geeks! 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 Hello and welcome back to the Weird Geeks Horror Channel where every single Friday we take you through another installment and in a classic horror retrospective franchise. I'm your host, Al White. Joining me throughout all of Romero's Living Dead series is Christina Masterson. Hello. And Haruka Abe. Hello. How are you guys doing? Grand. Excited. I can oh. see the excitement in your eyes. So excited. <laughs> I feel crazy. <laughs> so last week... <laughs> We tackled Night of the Living Dead, obviously the first of Romero's Living Dead. And it's very key that we're calling the series Romero's Living Dead because there are so many Living Dead movies, which is partly because of the copyright issues. There are dozens of remakes. I've been watching a whole bunch this week and I can safely say they're all terrible. I'm showing some <laughs> beginnings to, to Ruka. Oh my God. Oh my God. Ooh, oh but we'll no. get to that stuff. We'll get to so that stuff You mean it's time. not going to get better? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to be watching those. So for people who are just for some reason jumping oh, on here, we'll be doing all the Romero's Living Dead. We will be doing the Living Dead remakes at another time, but not during this series, some point in the future when we figure it out when we want to do it. But we, when we do that, we'll only tackle like the ones that got cinematic releases. Uh, there are a lot of films that went straight to DVD, straight to digital, straight to YouTube, straight to the scrap heap is where they sh- should have been going. And they are fucking her- her- really tough to sit <laughs> through. <laughs> Some look like they've just literally just been made by some mates around their like local shop with an iPhone, which was literally the case with one of them. Yes. Anyway, but why would we be here? Because so the sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Now, there's actually a few technically sequels. Now, Romero's sequel is Dawn of the Dead, and we'll be getting to that next Friday. And that's the next proper installment. And what I'd kind of realized yesterday that I was saying to Ruka is with these retrospectives, they're always about the horror franchise that we're doing. And I really want to do more director retrospectives, but not enough of listeners listen to those. So, so we're doing horror retrospectives more than director ones. But we actually get to do both here because we are every film in this series will be directed by George Romero, which is a very unique thing to be able to do with a horror franchise is follow a director and a franchise at the same time. But this week, we're not doing his official sequel to Night of Living Dead, which is Dawn of the Dead. We're going to be doing The Crazies. And my reason for that, that I said at the beginning of the series, is because I'm going to be arguing that this is a very important bridge uh, between Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. And I do see it as a Living Dead film myself. And I think a lot of that comes from the perspective of what people expect from these movies. I think a lot of people expect zombies and horror. And that's not what I think Romero is doing with a lot of these films. But we'll get to that. First of all, what is it? So it's The Crazies, made in 1973. It was budgeted at around about $275,000, which is about $1.5 million in modern times with inflation. Right. It grossed only about 150000 in the US. Uh, did not do that well. Directed by George Romero, written by Paul McCullough. Paul McCullough? I don't know how you pronounce it. And George A. Romero. 
Starring Lane Carroll as Judy, Will McMillan as David, Harold Wayne Jones as Clank, Lloyd... Sorry. <laughs> Lloyd Holler as, as Colonel Peckham, Lynn Lowry as Kathy, Richard Liberty as Artie, Richard France, Dr. Watts. And I'm going to be interested as we go through this, how many of those names even ring a bell with you? Because I didn't <laughs> None, pick up most of actually. <laughs> Music by Bruce Roberts. This was his first foray into composing for film. And DP'd by S. William Hinsman. Now, does that name sound familiar to either of you at all from last week? No, so no. that's because he used to be called Bill Heinzman, and he was in fact the first zombie that we see in Night of the Living Dead who comes stumbling through the oh. graveyard. <laughs> he is now the cinematographer on this film. Oh. <laughs> and this was his first film in cinematography. He would go on to be a cinematographer on the Night of the Living Dead 30th anniversary edition, you know, with those extra weird scenes that were shoved into that I talked about last week. And he was also actually the DP on Children of the Living Dead, which Haruka, as you walked into my flat today to, to do this podcast, you saw was up on my screen because I was just watching it, mm-hmm. which is another technical sequel to this, which we'll get to later because it's confusion. Anyway, but we're in 1973. So before we get to the film itself and a few little facts, uh, let's look at the landscape. Christina, you have the box office for 1973. Let's see if we recognize any of the movies this year. Okay. Let's go from number 10 up, I think. Unless there's anything in particular you want to highlight underneath. No. Sorry, this one's a lot smaller than the ones you usually send me. You're welcome. We got number 10, Serpico. 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 It's a great movie. Yeah. It's a classic. Number nine, Paper Moon. Heard of this, but never seen it. Same. Number eight. Robin Hood. Oh, is this the um, which version's that? I don't know, I don't know I don't because it's just I don't have any of the actors' names or even the uh, picture. All right, calm Thanks, down. Thanks, Sal. <laughs> Thanks, Sal. <laughs> it's because I've been determined now to get worldwide gross rather than U.S. gross, and that's the uh, other site that does official worldwide gross. Okay. Oh, hang on, no, seventy-three was yeah, that was the Disney one. That's the Disney. So Robin is that Hood. the oh. very first Robin Hood? No, 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 no. They were much older ones. But that was the animated Disney one with the fox Robin Hood, oh, you know. And the musical like the one. lion as the king. Yeah. Cool. Was it musical? Did they sing yeah, in that? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's been a while since I saw it. Number seven, Live and Let Die. James Bond. Mm. I don't know. My, yeah, I can't remember which one <laughs> Not a big James Bond fan. You're British. You mean you yeah. don't want to do a whole James Bond uh, podcast no, stop series? It. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Number six, Magnum Force. Oh, I don't know that at all. Is that like a sequel to just Magnum? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm clueless for 1973, I guess. I thought you'd be into your 70s films, Christina. <laughs> Number five, we have The Way We Were. Okay. Don't know. <laughs> don't know. I don't know these movies. Number stupid. four, we have Papillon. 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 Yeah, that's a great film. Papillon is a great film. Very Papillon. Good. Number three, American Graffiti. Oh, fantastic! That's actually uh, George Lucas's film he did just before Star Wars. Oh. Oh wow. Yeah, it's a really good film. Number two, The Sting. Oh, another great film. Paul oh. Newman. Yeah, I love this movie. And number one, we got (laughs) The Exorcist. 
Oh. Yeah. Horror film at number one. That is, that's good to see. It's kind of rare. Normally, like, the yeah, as we always talk about, normally the horror films have the biggest returns of the years, but rarely get to actually number one in the box office. Mm. Um, impressive. And there were some, there were some classic movies that came mm. out in, on that list. And there were some other ones I've never, like, <laughs> never heard of, but some big movies. Now, Haruka. Yes. What other horror films were coming out in that year? So, horror films of 1973 were, there's some amazing titles on this list. <laughs> okay. There's Blackenstein. Oh. Yeah, I know. Oh. Yeah. Mm. Cannibal Girls. I'd watch that. that I'd watch that, that with you. <laughs> that was directed by Ivan Reitman, who actually, that was his first or second film or something. And he went on to direct Ghostbusters. Oh, really? And, yeah. Many, many big films. Okay. That sounds like it'd be a good Halloween costume, huh, Haruka? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you better watch out, Al. <laughs> well, presuming if it can, well, does cannibal mean, no, you don't have to eat your own sex, do you? Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise. <laughs> Is that cannibal girls like you only eat girls or just girls who are cannibals? Girls who are cannibals. I mean, yeah. that's what I assumed. Yeah. Yeah. You hear what you want to hear. <laughs> okay, next we've got Children Shouldn't Play With Dead Things. It's this true. is a really it's classic true. title that I've heard a lot. I've never, I don't think I've seen this, but I might have at some point. I love it. And it's then, yeah, and then we got Crypt of the Living Dead, which mm-hmm. I assume okay. isn't related to Romero's nope, Dead series. No, but there are so many of the Living Dead films, okay. more than any title in film history. That's, you know, it's just kind of proving that five years later and they're still. So they're still kind of trying to regurgitate it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we got The Exorcist, From Beyond the Grave. Never heard mm-hmm. of it. The Legend of Hell House. Yeah, this one's kind of notable. I haven't seen this either, but okay. it gets on. And then we have um, Schlock. Schlock. S-C-H-L-O-C-K. Yeah, that's... Hang on one second. I think that's John Landis. Yes, that is John Landis, um, who went on to do an American Werewolf in London uh, and the Blues Brothers. And, okay. Yeah. Cool. And then we have uh, Vampire's Night Orgy. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> mm, doesn't it just? <laughs> you girls could do your cannibal thing. I'm doing that. <laughs> Ooh, next one. A Virgin Among the Living Dead. A Virgin Ooh. Among the Living Dead. Yeah. Sounds even better. And then we got Voodoo Black Exorcist. <laughs> I mean. In the same year as The Exorcist, you yeah. get Voodoo Black Exorcist. Mm-hmm. Also it's in the like same year as Blackenstein. It's Black Frankenstein. It's um, Blackenstein. Blackenstein. Yeah. The Wicker Man. <laughs> oh, The Wicker Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're just talking about this, weren't we? Yes, this. we were. Y- you like it. You're saying you, you think it's crap, but you like it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's some like classic scenes in it. That's yeah. fun to like mimic. And take a piss out of. Yes. You know. Class is a classic British horror movie. Mm. I'm not a fan. But. Finally, we've got Torso. Oh, so Torso um, is Sergio, isn't it? I think it's an Italian um, film. This, Torso is very important, actually, in horror history because it is the beginning, technically, of, of slasher films, as we know them. Because uh, Torso was part of a little cluster of films that were coming out of Italy where they were taking their very artistic, low-budget, pretty sexy like films and then they would bring in these male killers who were going around and you know and murdering them but it wasn't done in the way america would then do america then stole all these ideas from torso and films like that 
and turned them into Friday the 13th and very soon afterwards. And it really was the template of what slasher films still are to this day. It's from films like Torso. So that's an important one. Cool. But yeah, very much still lost in like there's still Frankenstein-y things, there's devil things, there's spiritual things. We're definitely still in that world in the 70s and I guess. We're not, yeah, we're still stuck in that sort of coming out of the monster era of horror films, mm-hmm. going into something different. So where does the crazies fit into all of that? So how did this happen? So it was three years after Night of the Living Dead. You'd think Romero followed up with another horror film. He didn't. He went off with a bunch of the same producers and crew of Night and made a film called There's Always Vanilla, which has a fantastic poster of like a flower blossoming with a blonde girl's face in the middle. It's a very weird. I tried to watch this the other day. I got through about half an hour of it. <laughs> and I was like, I think I'm good. It's a rom-com, apparently. I found it neither romantic or funny, other than unintentionally funny. I showed you a bit at the beginning of this, Haruka, mm-hmm. when you came around yesterday. Mm-hmm. How did you feel? <laughs> uh, yeah. It had, is that the one? Oh, hang on. Because you showed That's me That's when the two. guy's flirting with the girl. Oh, um, yes. The, and she's about to do some modeling. Yeah, and the main guy had some like weird, like his expression was, there was something wrong with his yeah. face i don't know it was weird. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. his face his acting the dialogue he suddenly cut to him and he's got two cigarettes in his mouth like it's <laughs> so bizarre <laughs> and he's just trying to chat this girl up like it's it's yeah it was written by rudy ricci who was a zombie in night of the living dead and it did very very badly and romero uh, always called it his worst film that he ever made and then he followed that up with another film called season of the witch which no is not the original film that nicholas cage 2011 film was based on one this is it was in 1972 it's really 70s you saw some of this as well Haruka the opening it's very mm-hmm. arty but low budget student arty i think it's like babies crawling through flowers crying like, <laughs> yeah that was quite lynch-esque i thought you know it had some that mm. kind of weird surreal dream nightmare-esque vibe and that's very generous of you. Yes, I am <laughs> a very generous it. person. That's why. It's surreal, yeah. Uh, it has some supernatural elements in it, but it's, yeah, it's about a bored, unhappy suburban housewife who gets mixed up in witchcraft and murder. And it also did not Sounds do well. Sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you borrowed the love witch off me once, and I fear that this might have been what the love witch was based upon because they're actually kind of similar in some ways. Oh, really? Yeah. But yeah, it did not do well either. So we're five years later and Romero's looking for his next project and to potentially get a bit closer to the genre that started him out. And his co-worker, Paul McCullough, or McClough, I don't know. I really don't know how to say it. He was the composer of Night of the Living Dead's remake and he was uh, assistant cameraman on There's Always Vanilla. Uh, He handed over a script to Romero called The Mad People and basically said to Romero, here's my script, rewrite it however you want. You have my blessing to tear it apart and do what you want. So Romero went away, adapted it with his own ideas and turned it into The Crazies. This was Romero's first union film, although he was still using a lot of non-professional actors from Pittsburgh and other places. And you have to look at the time room. We're in 1973, so this was was made just before the Vietnam War ended. And you remember from last week, the Vietnam War was going, you know, it went for such a long time, it must have seemed never-ending. And really, it's weird because you're still dealing with a lot of the same social political climate as they were when they did Night of the Living Dead five years prior. Since then, I mean, yeah, they'd had the death of Martin Luther King, as we talked about last year, riots against government, they'd had Nixon, and then they'd had the death of both of the Kennedys in this time as well. So it was, it was a chaotic 
time to be in America. And again, this is going to be one of the reasons why I'm going to be arguing we, I wanted us to cover this film, because I do feel this follows the spirit of his Living Dead films, even if it doesn't have actual zombies in it. But we'll see if you guys agree or disagree, which is separate from me saying whether I like the movie or not. So just to be clear, I've seen this movie once before only, which was a long time ago. And coming back to it, I couldn't remember much about it at all other than a certain bearded scientist who for some reason stuck out in my brain very strongly. And his incredibly sexy voice. Had either of you two even heard of this film before and had seen it? Or what's the deal? Never heard of it. I've actually seen the, the remake that came out right. a few years ago. That was 2010. Oh, yeah. 2010, yeah. okay. Timothy That's still a few years one. ago. Yeah. It is. Was it good? Haruka? It was, it was. But it was very different from this film. And I don't think I even knew that it was a remake when I watched it back then. Mm. And I really did enjoy it. But yeah, watching this was a very different experience because it's a completely different film. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I think my memories, because I'd seen that remake and enjoyed it as well. And that's like, it's just a good, glossy, like horror film. Yeah. Uh, with, with modern zombies, like 28 days later zombies, basically, in it, like infected people running everywhere and going crazy. And, and it's good fun. I think in my head, I had kind of merged the two in a weird way. I think I was expecting going back to this to see more of that. Right. But yeah, we'll get to it because there's very little uh, infected stuff going on in this film, mm-hmm. really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sensing a tone from the room <laughs> already. <laughs> All right. So we open on a farmhouse and there's a little girl with a cute lamb cuddly who's getting messed around <laughs> by her brother who's turning off lights and trying to spook her. This is like, oh, this is so weird because this has to be an on-purpose sort of remake of Night Living Dead, isn't mm-hmm. it? Because you've got like two siblings, the brother's teasing the sister, some of the dialogue's alarmingly similar when she's saying like, stop messing with me, stop messing with me. Um, and then they are just, yeah, interrupted by the shadow which turns out to be their dad who's tearing the house apart they're interrupted by this yeah strange assailant which is almost identical to night of do you think this is on purpose oh yeah and then the brother kind of billy kind of saves his sister watch yeah. out sis yep i wonder if that's yeah. like you know something happened in his childhood with his sister or something and maybe his signature isn't it? yeah yeah, mm. yeah. It is weird. Like, I feel like this has to be on purpose. If not, yeah, he's not dealing with his own issues very well. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it funny when Billy said, smells like kerosene? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, what five-year-old knows what kerosene smells like or the, even what kerosene is? Hey, they're in Pennsylvania. This is I like, you guess. know, kids in the farms. They knew. What they is knew. a kerosene? I have it's no idea. It's one of the first you teach. It's gas. Ah, yeah. I see. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you burn down your house. <laughs> so yeah, we got our first infected here. I'm going to refer to them as infected. All right, for the rest of the film. Sure. Not crazies. Not the not crazy. We were coming up with different titles for this film <laughs> as well, like the men, the mentalists, the <laughs> the nutters, the nutters. What else did we have? Yeah. The bonkers. <laughs> we had some expletive ones as well here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he, yeah, the father's tearing the house apart. Now this is a very active infected. Like he's going 
fucking crazy. Like he's tearing shit apart, ends up setting the entire house. They go upstairs and find their mother's dead in the bed. And this really sets the tone for me of like, okay, these are going, the crazies in this film are going to be like this, which isn't really the case. <laughs> like for the most part in this film, not to jump ahead, but for the most part, the crazies talk some weird shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's a big enough epidemic to mean the military has to be like brought in immediately to seal everything off, which, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We get a cool, I like the exploitation sort of style font that we get though. Like the house starts burning down and you get the crazies comes up on screen and it looks like electrified and stuff. And I like it. It's fun. And then military drums in the music mm-hmm. straight away. Oh, those military drums. Oh my God. It drove me crazy. <laughs> Is that I, what it was supposed to do? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. maybe. Oh my God. I, Did I you guys you. notice them all the time? Oh, yeah. yes. Oh, I actually man. like the drums. I like no, the drums. Oh, Haruka. <laughs> I, they made me so angry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm exactly the same. I don't like military drums anyway. In soundtracks, I find it such a cliche thing. No matter mm-hmm. when it's like, oh, the military's on screen. Let's put military <laughs> drums in. But when he's not doing the military drums, this composer, Bruce Roberts, is either doing this like terrible, sappy, cheesy, like romantic music or doing this like, cataclysmic just cacophony of noise which yeah. can mm-hmm. work in the right context but mm. oh, can i just I say i really like the soundtrack the personally i really hated the soundtrack <laughs> i hated it okay there was one moment we'll come to it where i liked i liked this the soundtrack okay, okay. <laughs> or that one song so yeah, this house is burning down. They got they they had no stuntmen on this film. Everyone they used in this film were like real firemen, fireworks professionals. Um, firemen happened to be that was a house that they used to do tests on. Mm. So they just let them come and film it while they were burning it down wow. one night, basically. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then we get introduced to people whose names I did not know for a long time <laughs> <laughs> of this film. Even though David. we have a pretty David, yep, and his fiance. What's her name? Nobody knows. Uh, it is Judy. <laughs> Judy. Judy, yeah. Um, which I generally have made in my notes. She's called Fireman and uh, Pregnant Nurse. I, yeah, <laughs> Prego. Prego. Um, Monobrow and Preggers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they're making out in bed. Me and Haruka are squinting at the TV screen because she has a very strange nipple. They were like, they tried to put a pasty on her and it didn't work or something because it looked really That's good. That's how it looked to me, but I'm not sure. But then you see when she moves around, like know. in her other breast, like her nipples were just nipples. But it was was it though? Didn't look. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was just like a shadow or something. Oh, maybe. It looked like it was weird. flaking off or something. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> the nipple was coming. <laughs> I feel like it Is was just it like works? the light on it. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <sighs> I actually like... I actually think this is a smartly written scene in terms of how it's written. No, I do. Christina's face. (laughs) (laughs) So here's the reason. Because this is the opening of the film, all right? We've had an opening, which is contextually on paper pretty cool. Ladies, kids in the house, and then the father's going insane and burns down the house and the kids are in it. Then we get this scene of our two protagonists who are in bed. And contextually, we learn a lot about them, albeit I didn't really learn their names. (laughs) I learn other (laughs) things about them. Uh, Learn that they're pregnant gradually figure out that she's a nurse but you just get that impression anyway for some reason i don't know how 
But he's a fireman. And then as they're talking, this alarm goes off outside, calling him to work, which I guess is how it happened in those days in small towns. I don't know. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I don't, um, it's like a spider set. So it just goes off for him. He knows there is a fire somewhere. And then the phone starts ringing and they're both trying to basically ignore that they're both being called to something. And I do think it's a good, it's a very good thing to write in a horror film where you you have two protagonists who are both going to be involved, but they have separate stories where they're both useful in the film. Mm-hmm. And right in that first scene, they're both being called to the adventure of the film through different means and they're both denying it. They're both like having fun and falling around and making out. And I like that thing of, oh, we know why like the more things that are ringing we know that something bad is happening and we know that it's probably tied to that house at the beginning and the crazy Mm -hmm. people and yet they're ignoring it and i think that's actually i don't know i think it's actually a writing smart acting yeah (laughs) yeah i think that's That's maybe what it was how are we coming along there from night of the living dead because we complained about some of the characters there oh no that uh, movie was great (laughs) (laughs) in comparison do you think the actors in Night were better than these ones here? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I thought it, it was I the other way around. I enjoyed a lot of them more. Really? Mm. I mean, mm. the other one was more charming, but I thought this one actually had like professional actors as opposed to like, you know, camera people just with like making up lines. Mm. Union actors. Union actors, mean. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're still terrible, but. I thought it was an improvement from the first one. I hear what you're both saying. Like, there's a level of professionalism in that these seem like actors. They don't seem like good actors. No. No. (laughs) Whereas in the previous film, the magic moments that are happening for me are like Ben as the lead. Mm -mm. It's like he is is an actor, but yeah, not necessarily to the same level as these guys. But he just has a raw, you know, way of approaching stuff, which for me was more effective. Mm. So, yeah. I'm kind of like immediately like, oh, I don't know if I want these guys to be my protagonist because mm. I'm not really, I mean, A, he's got a weird face. <laughs> Ow. He's a weird face. That's Come mean. on. Yeah, that no, is mean. Why is that mean? Weird is, weird is contextually subjective. <laughs> he looked exactly like his friend. He did. Yes, they both looked really similar and they both kind of just look like cavemen. Like they don't They look- did look very cavemen-like. Well, that's how we all looked at mm. like what in nineteen seventy lives. There's nothing like I don't know, I'm not getting anything from him. He doesn't seem interesting, he doesn't seem sympathetic. Like, yeah, but neither of them do. She's okay, but No. No. <laughs> There's no sense of like urgency to anything she does. Like, huh? What? <laughs> Huh? <laughs> so is this is this just the women that Romero likes to cast? Because yeah. oh my god, there's a lot of that in the last one. Really bad, especially mm. the other girl. Oh god. Oh yeah, we'll get we'll get to her. We'll you get know to her. who I'm talking about. <laughs> he gives them nothing. All right, so she heads off to the doctor's office, I guess, but it's just you know couple of rooms <laughs> it's very strange situationally and there are immediately people in hazard suits gas masks so we find out that the girl and the boy have been brought in from the fire and the girl's just like they pulled a sheet over the girl's head in front of the her brother <laughs> and, immediately tell, like, and says she's dead <laughs> yeah like she's gone but maybe we could do something for the boy do we ever does he die do we ever come back to but that he boy? goes crazy no. yeah he, no, does, he does get yeah, crazy we do see a shot of him just like being restrained later on yeah okay 
Okay. I mean, maybe he just wants to get out of the room. <laughs> There's but... a thin line here between crazy and just sensible. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So there's a guy called Ryder, and I did write down, I was very appreciative when a film has everyone's names written on their jackets, so at least the military, I got down most of their names. He's got Ryder, he's, yeah, stuff is underway immediately, and they're quarantining the entire town, uh, and then we're cutting over to the firemen who are over at the house, uh, who find the father who somehow got out of this house. Like, everyone seems to have gone now. Yeah, mm. and he doesn't have, like, one burn on him. Yeah. Mm. And the, the quote is, he just went crazy. <laughs> there are some great quotes for this film that I've written down. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wrote down some too. <laughs> so could someone explain to me, because we watched it and I didn't quite pick up on it. And I went back actually today and, and went back and tried to figure it out. I still can't. What the fuck is the deal with the ultraviolet lights? Oh my God, that's mm. what I was just going to say. Uh do you see them like installing the same fucking ultraviolet light over and over again in the same spot at there's the like, hospital? There's like one it's like, line. It's like they keep cutting back to the same one, like the same shot of them installing it. <laughs> they throw away. Yeah. There's like a throwaway line that tries to explain what the ultraviolet light is meant to do. Okay, yeah. And I don't so understand. It's supposed to keep you from getting infected. So it's like a clean area. If there's ultraviolet lights on in that room you don't have to wear the gas mask and you're safe from the, oh, the, okay. the so that's virus just... but why don't they just put that everywhere <laughs> yeah oh hang on hang on but oh was it maybe just them saying that we know this room is clear so you put ultraviolet lights to say this is a clear room no or? no the ultraviolet lights clear that area they kill what? the. they protect you from the virus that's why you see at the end when he's like also going up in the helicopter he's surrounded by the ultraviolet lights and he has to take off all his clothes and put on new ones because it's like i don't know it's clean it's a clean clean air a safe safe area (laughs) what why don't you just go to home depot (laughs) get a bunch of ultraviolet lights and put it up at the the school that you're putting everybody in i can't fathom that that i mean I think you're right, because that's what I kind of got from it. But it doesn't fit with anything that's going on. No. And they're just lights. Yeah. So, <laughs> but they're ultra violet. <laughs> they are ultra lights. <laughs> if anyone's listening to this and you're screaming at us going, no, you, you guys are stupid. This is what's happened. Then please go to weirdgeeks.com and email us to let us know. <laughs> because I genuinely am interested because I can't figure it out. And here's the weird thing about this film. Trying to get trivia for this film, trying to look at interviews with George Romero, making ofs. Like Night of the Dead, there are numerous making ofs. Dawn, there are numerous. Day of the Dead, really feature length making ofs. There's nothing about this film. Like no one really talks about this film other than this contingent of people who are highly appreciative of it and says like, this is the Lost Romero film and this is like responsible, uh, which I do think it is. And we're going to get to that again, why I think it's important, but responsible for films like 28 Days Later and the future of what zombies would become mm-hmm. later on. But yeah, like to find out stuff like this, no one's no one's talking about it. <laughs> so yeah, it's hard to figure out. Okay, well let's just take that for now as a contrivance we have to put up with. <laughs> <laughs> there are ultraviolet lights, but no one's using them. But apparently you're fine when you're in them. Yeah. <laughs> Which really exactly. to me screams of someone on set on day one, they're about to do their first talking scene, and someone suddenly, because you don't think about it when it's on paper, just went, oh. Everyone's got gas masks on. So one, no one can see who's talking to who on screen. So for the audience, it's going to be confusing. Mm -hmm. And two, as is true with a lot of this film, I can't understand a fucking word. Yeah, thank God, me too. (laughs) I was like, am I just 
old. So that's what it feels like to me. It's like, oh, okay, well, we have to take off the mask so we can hear these people talk and see their faces. And they're like, oh, but they can't take off the mask because of contagion. And they go, oh, okay, ultraviolet lights. We'll <laughs> pretend like there's someone just throwing a line quickly and we'll wash over it and move on because that's we exactly have have what happened. That's, ex- that's ex- how it feels. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, there's a highly contagious virus. Uh, there's a doctor who's helping out our nurse to sneak out. Where he gives her like a little shot of some antibiotics and then helps her sneak out with a syringe for her boyfriend, David, with tons of military music everywhere. And then she sneaks out and drives off. But they do seem to notice. But then don't do anything about it. Like a guy runs after her and then goes, nah, fuck yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, so then the firemen are getting all suspicious about the military turning up and mm-hmm. and all these roadblocks. They decide, let's go get Nurse Girl because she's pregnant and we need to save her. And then we cut to like a men in gas mask telling the priests that they need to do an announcement. And they, here's where we get our first little bit. We're explaining a plane crash last week, which contained an experimental, I can't remember the word they use, but because they don't think it's a virus at this point. They meant to be a, say vaccine, experimental vaccine. Vaccine experimental so here's the thing with the vaccine isn't a vaccine a vaccine when it's no longer an experiment up until hmm. then it's not a vaccine is it a vaccine is only a vaccine <laughs> when it is proven to work you don't have experimental vaccines interesting but it right. is a cover story oh no man <laughs> that people apparently bought <laughs> also they say this plane crashed last week why didn't they turn up then yeah and it's been leaking in the water ever since. Mm-hmm. Why would the military go, oh, you know that really scary virus that we pretended was a vaccine and lied about that was on that plane that crashed? Let's, let's go check on that. <laughs> Why did they not wait, wait until What's someone burns the, down a house? You know the, I think his, I, the general? Yes. You know the general that comes? I don't know if that's what he is, but the main guy that comes. Right, he right. said that... Uh, <laughs> he said that he's never surprised by anything now that the military I know. does. <laughs> I so know. there you go. That's your explanation. Everyone's like, you guys are terrible. And he's That's like, your yeah, out. we're always terrible. <laughs> <laughs> but this is Romero, isn't it? I mean, this is what Romero is more interested in. Is He's interested in creating a situation where we get to see what happens in like a microcosm of society, essentially. Like when you get like military with police, with just the general public and chaos is thrown into that, he's not really interested with where did that chaos come from. He's not really interested, as I think this film proves, even with the infected. And in Night of Living Dead, I don't think he was that interested in the zombies. He's more interested in the people in that enclosed space and how do they deal with each other under pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, so that they always make the wrong decision, the military and the government. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, he's pretty anti-establishment. <laughs> which I mean, happens a lot. <laughs> yeah, and he's very left-wing, but it is, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, lots of complicated things. So we get men in a room. I never know where this room is. There, there oh, are twice the we go back room? to men in a room. Yeah, <laughs> with the men curtains. In a ro- <laughs> men in a room. <laughs> wait, wait, wait you, for- just you in forgot room. my favorite part. <laughs> what? What's your favorite part? <laughs> when. A guy in a hazmat suit and a gas mask goes to the church to talk to the priest. Right, right, oh, right. right. <laughs> and the priest is like, it's a Saturday. This is like my busiest mass. Maybe, maybe I could ask them to stay and you could talk to them <laughs> after the mass. Guy in a hazmat suit and gas mask. 
<laughs> like if I had a dollar for every week a fucking hazmat dude comes up saying, Can I please have the altar? <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You pay attention to people when they've got one of those masks mm. on normally. Yeah. Like- that would be the smartest thing to do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I get the feeling Romero's not big into religion either with his films, but <laughs> so yeah, men in the room then decide to contact the president and to suggest that they take a plane in stock footage with an appropriate weapon to take out the entire contaminated area. They just want to be ready with the stuff. Wait, you mean men in the room that all they do, <laughs> men That's in the room, <laughs> where all they do is yell at each other? <laughs> yeah. There is a That's lot- all they do in there. It's a lot of shouting. Still a lot of shouting in this movie. Yes. In this movie. And what doesn't help, like we watched this nice new, there's a nice new um, Arrow video, put out a a great remastered version of this. It comes from original print. It's in like 2K, new sound. The sound is still terrible. Like this film, it hurts my ears. Like it's mixed too trebly and it's got this like, just bad as your senses, I found the sound of this film. It gave me a headache, which was not helped by men in rooms shouting at each other. No. Meanwhile, Colonel Peckham is being rushed to the site uh, and they're trying to wait on his recommendation once he arrives before dropping a bomb. And then we're at a cool disco. Is that <laughs> the, the Zebra Club shit? that they kept talking about? Oh, is that the Zebra Club? I don't know. Oh, is that the Zebra Club? But how many clubs that would this town have? Yeah, you're right. You're so zero. right. I think it was, it was zebra. zebra. I thought it was Zebra. But wait, really? you forgot one of my favorite lines too. <laughs> You love this movie, Christy. That's what I'm getting. <laughs> you know, when they pick up the guy, the scientist or whatever, from the Trixie team, and he goes, Jesus Christ, this is so random. <laughs> I don't even remember how he does it, but he, he does it so horribly. He is enjoying is so himself horrible. a lot. He is really enjoying himself. This whole film, he's just panically shouting at people <laughs> with, seriously, such a sexy radio voice. Like, mm. his voice is incredible. Sexy? I don't know about that, Al. <laughs> <laughs> Does it for me. Yeah, then the military turn up and pull apart this disco. And there's, this, there's a real, like, chaotic documentary feel to this. I feel when it's at its best. And when it's not, it just feels jumbled and loud. I don't feel that presence that Romero had with Night. Where we're going back and forth between those, like we said, those sort of documentary feel and then sort of classical storytelling shots. In here, it feels either really low budget or just, yeah, sort of bad documentary. Mm. I don't know about you guys, but... Because mm-hmm. you, you were kind of, you are digging this, weren't you, Haruka? I quite liked it. Using, <laughs> using 70s words like, here for you. Did I really like it or did I just <laughs> wanted to like it? But no, it was... Well, I thought, you You're know, it was... You're for the a- ride at this point. I mean, it was a, you know, he had a lot more confidence as a filmmaker, I felt, which I appreciated. And that kind of, you know, obviously, like, it lacked the charm of The Living Dead. But mm-hmm. I appreciated the fact that, you know, he made improvements in terms of skills and, you know, whatever. And probably yeah. lost a bit of I soul. Mean, well, in, you know. He's juggling a lot more here. Mm. There's a lot more to deal with, for sure. A lot. And that's too, what I kept much, thinking. It was like, oh, it's too much. Yes. <laughs> Just go back to the simple set, man. It was so good. You're trying to do way too much. Yeah. You yeah. know, it because, just gets out of control. And I think he's trying to give us people on all sides to sympathize with. Like, we're meant to sympathize when he turns up with that beardy scientist. Once he turns up, we're meant to sympathize with Colonel Peckham. 
and we're meant to sympathize obviously with our, our protagonists who get a little team together in a second but the problem is you don't i didn't sympathize with anybody i didn't connect mm-hmm. with anybody i didn't feel bad or yeah for anybody i agree i kind of do for peckham at points but he's so useless which one's like, he well he's the he's the the black lead who's the colonel who's like leading oh, the, um, the military yeah Kind of sympathize with him, but points kind of like, oh my god, man, this is just a mess. <laughs> he looks so sad at the end of the film. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, but that we'll butt we'll shot, there. though, man. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> to the butt shot. <laughs> totally. <laughs> they had troubles with that butt shot, but we'll get there. They um, did? Yeah, we'll get with the uh, Yeah, so then we get really what's happening. Like, the military bursting into people's homes. They're trying to get everyone to this high school to keep them in a contained area, essentially. But they're not giving them any explanation. They're just rushing in. People are having sex. People are having dinner. People are watching TV. <laughs> One guy sort hilarious. of nonchalantly walks for his gun to fight back and then just stops and gives up. You have the military stealing people's fishing, fishing rods. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre. Again, it's so Romero. Like that's exactly what you expect, and we get more of it later when we see them stealing from people yeah. the dead bodies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Like it's very Romero, and it's very on the nose commentary. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it's like he had a good idea, and they only had time to get one pickup. <laughs> so they went with that. <laughs> At <laughs> least he brought it back later on in the film. It justified the mm. fishing poles, you know. Yeah, <laughs> but he did make sure he got his pickup of military toys being trodden on. Did you see that? Oh. There's some kids' toys on the floor yeah. of military men, and then the military oh. men stamp all over them, which <laughs> I was like, a, I was just like, re- I don't know what he's trying to say, <laughs> but okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the baby with the gun? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. He oh. was truly frightened. Mm-hmm. Yes. That was that an was, acting. That yeah. was real. That was genuine fear. <laughs> Poor baby. A really, really good actor. And there was a shot of like a, a dog doll. Um, being yeah, being knocked off the yeah, bed, but then it made the squealing sound, and I wasn't sure if it yeah. was meant to be a real dog or a toy dog. I was like, hang on a minute, <laughs> it was a toy dog. I don't, it I was don't a toy know. dog, but I wasn't yeah. sure if they wanted a real dog. I think but... it was meant to be a real dog. I think, unfortunately, for everyone <laughs> no. involved, uh, they didn't give a good dog stunt dog. <laughs> Yeah, so like our firemen, they they, they pass Judy on the on the road because they're basically both going to find each other. So they turn around together, but they all get grabbed mm-hmm. by the military, swoop in and take that medicine. So he never gets it. Uh, mm. Our hero, I guess, <laughs> doesn't get his medicine. And I'm already just like, oh my god, I can't understand what people are saying in gas masks. And I think it might be important, but who who can tell? <laughs> so maybe want to watch with subtitles on. I thought about. I'm like, should I turn the subtitles on? Nah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but for the person who's doing the subtitles, they're probably like, I don't fucking know. So it's probably just subtitles. Like, I don't know. People say shit. <laughs> Mumbling in gas mask. <laughs> and we've only seen one crazy person so far. So the whole town has been seized by military. People have been taken in. So a few, like, you know, violent acts are starting to happen. Only one crazy person. Who was that person at the beginning? That's it. Well, they do show the yarn girl. The yarn woman that starts Yeah, we're going to get to her. We're not quite there yet. Oh, we're not there yeah, yet? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, yet. sorry. <laughs> Jump into the good bits. <laughs> so here's what they explained that the virus got into the water from the plane crash, and then it spread into the town. And then Peckham reveals that Trixie, which uh, the laboratory who created this substance, uh, wasn't a vaccine. It was, in fact, a bioweapon. And I love, I love like the other, the other military guy's reaction. He's like, wow, I, I totally fell for that. <laughs> it's like, you guys are, re- he's just completely blown away. He's like, wow, you guys are good liars. Well done. <laughs> and then there's a battle that happens between the cops of the town and the military. 
and a shot accidentally goes off killing a cop and the mayor's all like aghast and all this stuff and we do get like yeah very on the nose very of the time commentary from Romero here of sort of the imbalance when the military swooping in without explaining anything and just taking over basically and how craziness comes from that situation rather than from the crazies themselves mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah then the locals begin deciding you know what fuck this we're Americans and we can, we're not going <laughs> to let the military come in here. So they start taking up arms and battles start coming out. And this is where it happens. You have what you're getting to there, the knitting needle kill from a fairly old lady sitting on a rocking chair, knitting away. Now, she's clearly a, a serial crazy. killer, right? She's a crazy. <laughs> she went crazy. Okay, she's one of the crazies. But see, I and it's like, if she's crazy, then I think maybe the the husband that was shooting the police in the beginning mm-hmm. of that in the house was crazy and then the daughter on the piano is obviously crazy <laughs> right. she had yeah. crazy eyes <laughs> it is hard I, to tell who is crazy mm. and who is just protecting themselves which i think is the point of the film but it also then ruins the point of the film because yeah. it's like well it's not really that urgent mm. because to be fair to her she was quite happy knitting you just don't go near her and you're all right <laughs> <laughs> All she wanted to do was knit in peace. Yeah, which is fair enough. But I guess because like this vac- <laughs> virus kind of escalates, doesn't the symptoms escalates? So right, you know, right, I guess right. that was still that's the beginning. The yeah. beginning is knitting and playing weird. piano. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Second stage world domination. Exactly. Oh wait, and when he's shooting all of those people. Is that the scene where like the gas mask flies off and it's like covered in blood? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Oh, my blood or paint? I don't know what it was. Yeah, <laughs> the effects here aren't amazing. <laughs> <laughs> there, are, there's some weird pockets of gore that just sort of come in strange places. We're like, oh wow. Yeah. The rest of this film's been pretty tame, and then suddenly there's some schlock. Yeah, and as me and Haruka were like googling different insects for a bit of this film because there are like alien crickets or cicadas or whatever they are everywhere they're like in the soundtrack oh yeah 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 there are 100 percent meant to be crickets for sure okay there's this weird constant like chirping noise mm-hmm. throughout very strange mm-hmm. so we got a collection then we get nurse judy her fireman hero david uh, his caveman friend who's constantly going oh you got the brains <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> and then we got some other people from town. We're not really told who they are, but they're all stuffed into the back of the military van. One of them's a father and his daughter who we're going to get to know more oh. later. Oh, God. Which in the <laughs> beginning, I didn't realize that that was his daughter. And then I realized it was his daughter later on. <laughs> when it was too late. <laughs> 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 yeah, so they're let out and shooting begins. So they free themselves and then more military, military turns up and they, they, they run off into the night. Lots of day for night shooting here in this car chase, which is, I fucking hate. I hate day for night shooting. <laughs> it's just like, it's clearly daylight with all the oh, shadows. Oh, you mean when the sky was blue, when they were yeah, driving down the road? Yeah, but they just put filters road. over it to make That's it look like it's night. That's the only song that I liked was that song. I was like, oh, this is a nice shot. This is a nice uh, song. It was way too short. I don't remember short, that song. <laughs> don't remember it. Yeah, there's like, I mean, a couple of the songs are okay. I just think they're normally used in... Really bad context, just really mm-hmm. weird context. Like, yeah, it was weird. Places. It was so they 70s. lose the military by, yeah, very 70s. 
which is not a bad thing. I love a lot of 70s films. Mm. They've got a strange way to them. They lose the military by hiding their van in a bush. And then they head to the hills, heading to the country club. So, yeah, this is what they say. We're going to go to the hills, but let's go to the country club right now for the night. Um, and then we go to the next morning and the town's overrun with military. I do like some of the shots here. You get some nice fog that they just had naturally. Mm-hmm. And the military just standing in lines in places. Killing people. Yeah. <laughs> just shooting anyone who's trying to get away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they establish that the virus only attacks primates. Mm-hmm. So it really should be attacking our lead protagonist and his friend aggressively then because <laughs> yeah, definitely primates. <laughs> and then they say we've had it for three years and there are no antidotes, which really makes you think there's a slim chance they're going to find any in the sort of 48 hours that this film's taking place in. But, but hey. And the effects are you either die or you go crazy. So he tries to argue with them that it's been there for six days. Anyone could have taken it out of town already. And beardy scientist, this is, sorry. And he says, it's in the water, so you should just let me go because I can't do much help here. I need to go to my team. I need to work in my lab. Let me out of this place. But they refuse to do so because he could be a carrier by this point. Uh, yeah. So we're 40 minutes in at this point. The only crazy people we've seen is maybe Knitting Needle Lady and the opening guy. That's, that's, that's it. Which is a big problem for me. It's kind of like I either have to really care about these characters or I need, you know, with Night of the Living Dead, he did keep coming back to the zombies. You know, even if it's not his favorite thing, that presence is kept of, okay, there's something else to fear. But here it really seems we're meant to be scared of the military. We're mm-hmm. meant to be scared of ineffectual scientists. And we're meant to be scared of the sort of outcry from the civilians and what the damage they might do from fighting back. Mm-hmm. We're not really meant to be that scared of the crazy people, are we? There was that crazy in the truck, you know, that one old man in the truck. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was he scary? He was not scary. Yeah, I guess he was crazy. <laughs> Were you scared at any point in this film at all? Of the crazies? No. No. Of the military, no. yes. <laughs> of the acting? <laughs> of the acting, 100%. I was a bit scared for the characters because they were scared of becoming one of the crazies, which mm-hmm. I kind of felt bad about, you know? But it's definitely all the mm-hmm. tense situations are our lead group from here on out trying to avoid the military. Mm-hmm. And that's definitely yeah. where the tension's coming from. Oh, yeah, definitely, from. definitely. Which, again, is very, yeah, what sort of 28 Days Later and stuff, a yeah. lot of that would focus on those aspects in the mm-hmm. latter half of that film. So, yeah, our protagonists, they get to the club. Looks like a pretty cool place just to stay, to be honest. I would stay yeah. in the club. <laughs> it was it's a packed, big, cool man. area. They hang out, eat some bananas. <laughs> Looks great. <laughs> So here's where we really figure out, all right, there's a father and a daughter uh, who to me looks just like Sissy Spacek and Carrie. Like mm-hmm. she had this. Yeah. Very she was particular beautiful. Look, but terrible. <laughs> but <laughs> yes. Oh, man, when she repeat. was having her when she was having her meltdown in the truck I or the back of the truck. Oh, oh Jesus. It was Christ. horrible. Mm. I'm going to repeat what I said when we was not living dead and that that blonde girl comes in halfway through. Why did the really pretty ones normally have to be so terrible? Because, oh my God, <laughs> it's always like they come <laughs> on and you're like, wow, they're so beautiful, but <sighs> she's just, oh, I know, I don't know. And talking nonsense. And th- they say that she must have the disease. I mean, are they just figuring yeah. this out or have, have they known the whole time? Because she actually says, I must be going crazy at one point. Yeah, I think mm. they're just figuring it out when she's okay. in that room, you know, she's- with that guy, with the, with the gorilla, I don't know. 
<laughs> the friend. Which one? There's two. The friend with no brains. Oh, the, the, yeah. Gap teeth? Yeah. <laughs> the one the one with brains and then there's a fireball Yeah, there's a the gap brains, teeth basically. and then there's a monobrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The gap teeth. The gap teeth, for sure. They're not. It sounds like we're being mean, but they don't use people's names in this film effectually for you to attach. And there's too many people. To yeah, get, and there's barely. You can barely understand anything. So. Yeah. It is. It is hard. There's a throwaway line where they say, "Have you checked the radio?" And he says, "Yeah, but it's just transmitting music. How weird. Yeah. No news." Um, which again is a shame because so much of Night of the Living Dead that worked for me was yeah them seeing what's happening in the outside world. I know. You know. Like them being able to like be in this place and listen to say the radio from outside of their town and hear that no one even knows this is happening would be scary because you're saying, yeah. "Oh, the world doesn't even know or care." Like that would be cool. Uh, but no. So yeah. Then there's this beautiful bit. I love it where the lead guy Judy are trying to have a conversation, and yeah, Gap Tooth No Brains guy is they they just turn around and shout at him because he won't leave them alone, mm-hmm. and then he just gets all sulky. I know. <laughs> I know. And then he leaves and then they smile at each other and, and yeah. she gives him a massage. Yes. <laughs> and but he like points. Everything's he's like, okay yeah, in the world. Like, he's my like, shoulders. He doesn't yeah. even ask. He's like, my back woman. <laughs> oh, my God. So weird. While romantic music is playing. It is so like, weird. Oh, it's meant to be a sweet, sweet moment. I just love that guy's face. He's like, oh, all right then, I'll go downstairs. <laughs> like, it feels like he just forgot his lines and was just like, "Okay, I need to ad lib something." <laughs> Super goofy. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then they and then they start. Yeah. So she's massaging him. Romantic music's playing, and then they start talking about Vietnam. <laughs> oh, were they talking about Vietnam or high school? Yeah. No, they're talking about uh, Vietnam, and they're saying how he can't believe he fell for like all of the stuff to do the military and things like oh. that. Oh. Which is like a yeah, it's too pointed for me. It's like okay, your commentary needs to be a little bit subtle. <laughs> but meanwhile, military all still bickering and shouting at each other. Like we have these weird though little humor moments, which is what I want more of from Romero. Like there's the stuff where like they're arguing, and then one of them's leaning back and just balancing a pencil on his like upper lip, and it keeps like falling off. And it's this strange little thing where it's just like, but they're nice humor moments when terrible things are happening. And I think it's Romero trying to show a that they're still human, but b that. Not everyone in the room necessarily cares. Like, it's also just yeah. like, all right. Well, he also kind of showed that too. And when, uh, when they were, when they kept cutting back to the um, government room with those government guys. And that one guy was just eating an orange the whole time. It started with him peeling yes. an orange. And then like the next scene, it's like more peeled. I don't know. He's obsessing over this orange. It's just so <laughs> bizarre. Yep. Yeah. And I like these things. I just want more, more of them and less shouting. <laughs> Um, oh yeah they, please less shouting but they come up with the, the thing that we have to burn the bodies the same the same pattern <laughs> as Night of the Living Dead gotta burn the bodies and beardy scientists are still trying to get back to his lab but they say you can't because we need airtight canisters to get the blood samples out and it's gonna take 18 to 20 hours to get the choppers in where the fuck are these choppers coming from <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. oh man it's like a day after they've already been there for a day pretty, basically anyway like, uh, Anyway, scientist says he's sorry, but he can't believe how shoddy his operation is. And yeah, the, this is this is where the military boy Peckham is like, never surprises me how shoddy the military is. I'm like, well, maybe get a different job. 
We're seeing lots of bag- bodies being bagged up and burnt. Uh, and here's where, yeah, we get that nice little touch of the military. They're like just laughing as they do it and talking to each other and then stealing items from the dead bodies. It This feels, yeah, very so Romero to me and does fit with Night Living Dead. Um, and then one of them goes insane, so they set him on fire. And I've written down here, at this point in the film, I understand that our lead guy is called David. <laughs> 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 Took me a while. Um, and then the priest covers himself with gasoline and sets himself oh on fire God, so and becomes funny. a mannequin. <laughs> <laughs> and they shoot him, but he's well, already on to, fire. <laughs> well, they don't want him to be hurting. They're trying to put him out of his misery. I mean, this is a, such an obvious mon- uh, like homage to the like the sixties monk who set Buddhist monk who set himself on fire. But uh, it could be effective. But he literally like he sets himself on fire and then he's a mannequin. Like that's <laughs> like it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's like pull the camera back further or was something. Was he crazy? Like so you can't oh. even tell if he went crazy or if he didn't go crazy. I thought he went crazy. That's how I read it. But okay. And he's a priest, so he must have because suicide means he goes to hell, doesn't it? Yeah. True. True. Okay, fine. Although, what if you commit suicide, but then just before you die, someone shoots you while you're on fire? Is it their fault or your fault? Uh, you just gotta ask God, man. You gotta ask God. God. Right. Wait and see. Wait and see. Wait when I see him or her. Uh, meanwhile, people are revolting. We get some nasty kills here and a bizarre scene with a woman sweeping up behind them through long grass. I love the sweeping lady. She looks oh, so peaceful. Oh my God, a sweeping lady. <laughs> that was funny. So, do you know, this is where most of my confusion is coming with this movie. Because as we say these things, I am understanding 100%. Okay, she's a crazy. Uh, obviously, the knitting needle lady is a crazy. Watching the film, it honestly didn't it's occur to me that way. Because the first crazy person they showed me is going, going insane in the house, breaking things, being violent, burning it down. So, I keep waiting for that type of crazy to show up. And instead, it's in these bizarre, almost adorable ways, <laughs> like sweeping up in the grass. So I didn't take her as crazy. I kept thinking of what's the metaphor here? What's George Romero trying to say about this lady sweeping up behind like this battle between the people and the military? And no, they're just this is the level of crazy we're talking about with the crazies. Is so might all do they had to do housework. was handcuff the crazies and put them in jail. Well, let Until us they sweep, figured ma'am. out ma'am. A- we need more people <laughs> who sweep. <laughs> oh, God. It's like, well, if people want to knit and they want to sweep, let them do what they want to do. They're getting joy out of something. Okay. <laughs> this movie's making more sense to me now as we talk about it. So, David and Co., which, yeah, is his friend, fiance, and the father, and the sissy spacek daughter girl. They're heading across the field, staying undetected from roaming military and choppers, but then one spots them, so they run into the woods. They manage to take down the helicopter in this big sort of gunfight. Isn't this what the movie should be? Like, shouldn't we just be following this group as they're sort of trying to sneak out of town, essentially? Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Or are you finding the military stuff more interesting or like that that's... I do find them on the run more interesting. Mm. Right. I mean, that just seems to be where the normal story would lie. Yeah. These people trying to get out of this situation. But Romero is so much more interested in the military that he almost Mm. seems to begrudgingly keep going back to these characters. Whereas I'm not interested in the military. I mean, I I think it's politically more interesting. And so in a commentary way, it's more interesting. But as a film, it's like, no, it's just people shouting the whole time. Yeah, they could have cut a lot of that out. Yeah. 
I mean, it was like a mashup of like different genre films, you know, like obviously them running away from the military felt more, I guess, horror thriller and the mm-hmm. military's people arguing was a bit like more like, you know, political, I don't know, like talking heads kind of mm-hmm. film. So yeah. it felt, yeah, like he was trying to like achieve a mashup of different genres. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trying. Mm-hmm. Then we head over to the high school, which is where they're putting everyone. Now, I'm confused because there's a lot of kids here. There's crazy shit going on. Everyone's like, there's hundreds of people. Is, are they having fun or are they fighting or are I they crazy? I can't tell. I think they're crazy. They, they were crazy for sure. When you're, if you're smiling, oh, okay. you've definitely gone to the crazy side. <laughs> if you're happy, you're, so if you're doing yeah. something that makes you happy, you're crazy. That's what they try to say in this film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it could be a whole different social commentary there. <laughs> the military trying to oppress people and doing the things that make them happy. Because mm-hmm. I was so confused. I was like, are these just kids having fun? Like, I don't know. Everyone's smiling. Like, I don't know what's going on in this scene. <laughs> and then we get like a gas, a guy in a gas mask say a whole bunch of stuff that me and Harika then just looked at each other. And the only words we got out of it were electronic ass. <laughs> That's all we could hear. <laughs> yeah. We're like, is that what you just said? He definitely said electronic arts, but I don't know what the context was. I normally fight against ADR. I hate ADR so much. This is the film. They that needs a it. lot of ADR. Wait, so they didn't do any of it, you think? I mean, it doesn't sound like there was a fucking word of ADR because those gas masks, they sound legitimately like they've been recorded through the gas masks. Huh. They really do. Huh. I could be mistaken, but there's no way you do ADR. To, make it, to do ADR and then make it sound like that, would be so much work. That's true. But again, he's you know he's still doing guerrilla filmmaking. This might be a union film, but it's still low budget for the time. Mm-hmm. So here's what the military find out about our leads. And this is really, we need this way earlier. This is the thing. We should be with those leads and then the military should find out about them and become, you know, a tense situation. Because they learn now about the nurse got away the night before. And it's like, what a, how is it taking this long to yeah. trickle through? And then a guy attacks him and they take him out and yeah, needles. So a group is nearing the building that they're going to. I'm still not sure why. I still don't know why they're not just staying at the club. I still don't know why they want to go to this particular building. Are either of you guys have any idea? What? (laughs) (laughs) This building with all of the military in that they're creeping up on now. I was like, well, why need you to stay in the club? And why do you even want to go to this building? Because you can see there are military people in there. I don't oh, know, I yeah. Don't. I don't know. But they, was there some line in there about trying <gasps> well, to find no, a vaccine? Well, no, when they were or? at the club, the military people started coming already. Didn't well, no, they? This one, no, because they've just been at the club and then they moved to this other building. I don't remember this now. Is the bit, this <laughs> is the bit where the daughter... There was the blonde, way too much going on in this movie. The young. This is a bit where the daughter, the blonde daughter, decides suddenly to go crazy and starts walking out. Is this when she gets no, killed? No, no, no. This is before that. Oh. So the, when they're approaching that building, so she starts walking out towards them, um, and then they think oh, they're being yeah, shot yeah, at. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the military is shooting at I don't know beavers or yeah, a beaver or something. Yeah, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> but this is this is a real. Yeah, 28 days later sort of style scene for me. Like having the military in this house and them creeping up on it. And again, all that tension is coming from the military, not coming from the crazy people at all. They have a crazy person with them and they're not worried about her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I don't, I kind of like this scene. It feels more traditional. 
with what it's trying to do. And I like the misdirect of them shooting at them and then, yeah, they're shooting this beaver. But then they cut away to three dead fish in the water. Yes. I know. I saw that. And this was a lot of confusing to me. Because the animals can't get the disease, right? Like birds and fish. So it only affects primates. Yeah. So I don't know what, unless they were just part of the shooting, just showing that they've been shooting in the things in the pond I mean, all day. I thought maybe it's to show that the water's contaminated, but then like you said, you know, they can't really catch the yeah. disease. So. Yeah. I it don't feels- know, Romero. <laughs> <laughs> Plus it just looks like someone bought free fish down the fish market and threw them in water. <laughs> mm-hmm. They did not look like freshwater fish. No. <laughs> Oh boy. But what I do like is again, we're getting back to more Romero commentary of like here are the military boys playing cards, hanging out in this house, complaining about the nature of their job, mm-hmm. saying how much they never really know what's going on. And, you know, and I like that, but they don't really care either. They're like, yeah, just our job sucks, basically. Mm-hmm. So a group busts in, kills some of them, interrogates one of them, and then someone reaches for a gun. So they kill everybody. David's friend starts going crazy. Gap tooth, primate yeah. boy. Yeah killer he becomes a killer yep but at yep. least he's the- still protecting his people well and they don't want to get the gun off of him which i find a bit weird i would definitely take that gun away so david and his fiance they're the only two who are not going crazy yet because they claim in this scene oh the father's trying not to show it but he's crazy too i've seen no evidence of this whatsoever but mm-hmm. however then we do because they say that and then we cut to the father who's eating his daughter's hair oh my god <laughs> and we're about to get to some weirder stuff with them but anyway meanwhile the men in the room with the red phone and sandwiches uh, and an orange suggest that if they have to they nuke the town and say that there was a live bomb on the plane and then they go to the president to make sure of this and the president is the top of the back of george romero's head <laughs> oh my god that's what it was the president, just the Why back of him. Why can't he face the camera? Mystery? The- I don't know. Because all powerful men... <laughs> face the opposite <laughs> direction. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. They cut the door to the president and you have the top of a chair and then just the top of his head, the back of it. Yeah, so and he's smoking. Everybody's and it's not his smoking. voice. There's it's it's a lot head. of smoking going on in this movie. It's like wanting the cigarettes, looking for the cigarettes, smoking. 70s, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fucking bizarre. Anyway, yeah, so like we've got the gap tooth boy starts banging a bell while the other two start getting all incesty. Really, there's no, I mean, this is just men to show them being crazy, is it? I the guess. father starts just making out with his daughter and she kind of seems into it, but then she knocks a picture off the wall, which they very purposely film. Like, I mean, it seemed like a religious picture, but I'm not sure what it was. It was like a little picture of a lady, maybe a saint, I don't know. And they very particularly show her knocking it off the wall while her father's like getting on top of her. <laughs> Lots of blank places. <laughs> and then, yeah, Gap Tooth guy comes in and goes, you're disgusting. So he gets into a fight with the father. Because who- <laughs> so then when she leaves, we see the daughter's bleeding between the legs. So I had, yeah. I had felt like he was just getting on top of her, but it was actually stuff meant to be happening? I think so with yeah. that shot of, because I was like, oh, he still has his pants on, so maybe nothing happened. But then when they showed that shot, then it makes it, uh, that's, I think that's the message that they're trying I've, to get across. Do you want to hear one of my weirdest pet peeves with films? The, the amount of films interrupt people in the middle of sex and then the guy gets right up 
and his penis is never hanging out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they show crazy. the girl completely nude, you know, all the time. Yeah, not in but the But they film, can't show a guy yeah. with his pants like halfway down at least. It's like, and it's never, it's just, because any scene's immediately hilarious. <laughs> if you pull him up and his penis is just hanging out. <laughs> anyway, they have a fight and then they do a very strange thing where David and his fiance are standing there, who let's not forget is pregnant. And then he just pushes her back into the mm-hmm. room. Quite violently. Yeah. That was a proper shove. Which I guess is meant to be for her safety, but I think that's as dangerous, to be honest, as anything <laughs> that could happen to her. <laughs> so yeah, pouty beard scientist, he's still trying to get to leave and he's all upset about it. So he puts his radio underwater. They're giving him like a little makeshift lab there, I guess, to try and run his test from. And he seems to be doing fine. So I don't really know what's up with him. And then the father has now hung himself. Now, has he hung himself or do you think it was the friend? Because the friend's going like, it wasn't me. I didn't kill him. I didn't kill him. Or was it the daughter? Oh, interesting. I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Gotta ask Romero. (laughs) (laughs) I just assumed it was suicide and because the, you know, the That too, because they do go, they do teeter from like feeling guilty about the things Mm -hmm. they've done, you know, as crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so they look outside and then they see the daughters outside playing with the sheep as the military turn up. And David and his fiance run away, but a crazy friend waits for a bit and then eventually follows them. I'm going to give a credit here to some of the cinematography for one shot. It has to happen eventually. We had to mention this in the last film, but Romero is kind of famous. At this time, his films would have twice as many cuts in them as any other regular film that was out at this time. Like he's editing more than nearly anybody at this time. And it's because he came from, as we talked about last week, a commercial background of churning out these commercials. He's, he edited all this stuff himself and you, there's great footage of him on Dawn of the Dead in particular doing it. And he's re- very, very quick and he likes a lot of cuts. So sooner or later, one of those cuts has to end on the shot that I like. And I really like the shot of the daughter when she turns around to see them and she's like backlit and the sun's behind her. And unfortunately, she spoils it with some bad acting by going, oh, <laughs> um, but it's a pretty shot I like it oh that's when she gets shot is it yeah she's just about to yeah 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 yeah. they're kind of like looking at her for ages to be in with her what do we do we should shoot her yeah but <laughs> let's not for some reason I don't know why I but I guess because she's not being aggressive but she's just sort of going up to him going hey how are you doing how are you <laughs> how's your day going she seems capturable you know I feel like a butterfly net would probably work fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. David's friend is starting to go crazy and he runs off distracting the military so that David and the fiance can get away. And then he manages to kill most of them. And um, we get another weird little pocket of some gore here. Like there's quite a lot of like violent shots. And then he just checks out a snake. Which nothing happens with. <laughs> I wonder if it was a, supposed to be a metaphor or something. I don't know. I reckon <laughs> I reckon they saw a snake ah. <laughs> and shot it because there's one shot of a snake. If you get a snake into set, do you know how much hassle that is? Like even in the 70s, like there's a lot of hassle to get a snake in, make sure someone's looking after it. It's not going to die. Get out onto there so it doesn't hurt anybody. No one's scared. You're going to do more than one shot of the snake. <laughs> but this is just one. So I feel like they just saw it and were just like, yeah. Oh. I was like, oh, he's going to get bit. That's how he's going to die. Oh, it's like Greek mythology. And then that never came. So it was 
yeah. I was hoping he was going to use it like a whip weapon against the military. <laughs> He's going to run out of bullets and start using the snake. Uh, but no, he gets shot in the head with a that great delay. That was a good delay. shot. Oh, it's great. Yeah, that was unexpected. That was the good. The spurt that comes out of his, his head, like it delays for a second and then goes. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. The red acleric paint. Squibs in the head, not fun. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's not. I can tell you. Meanwhile, sexy beardy scientist man is shaking things in the laboratory and thinks he's found a cure, I think. But his, his female scientist who's helping him with stuff keeps just asking him, tell me, tell me what it is. Tell me what it is. Explain to me. And he says, God damn it, woman. <laughs> his literal line. You won't explain it to her. She's like, God damn it, woman. <laughs> oh, that was boy. awful. Awful. Uh, so he goes to Peckham, uh, but they don't believe that he's a scientist, so they don't let him in. And then he gets caught in a stampede of the kids at the high school having fun or whatever the fuck's happening. I don't know. And falls down the stairs, drops a sample and dies. That's it. There we go. That was a little pregnant pause for everybody. The drama. Oh, yeah. The his head smash. Just like the head smash on the grave. There yes. is no really... Like, it just seems like they have fallen, not that they have Not died. enough impact. Yeah. The only way you could tell is that there is blood coming from his head. But this is... I mean, this is the thing. If I was more invested... I'd really like these moments. I really like that we have the yeah. scientist trying to work on a cure. He finally gets it. No one believes in the craziness that he is a scientist and he gets killed while trying to just get it to them. That's like such a Romero thing. It's so bleak and it's so nihilistic. And But I just don't care. <laughs> and then they have this repeated thing throughout this whole film. Do you notice of the voice checks the whole time? Yeah, so annoying. So no one's allowed to talk to people because of the voice checks. Which I'm guessing is Romero's sort of commentary on like the frustrating sort of red tape of bureaucracy. Like you want to talk to someone to get a message through and here he can get through the message of, oh, I fixed it. But because of the red tape of bureaucracy, he can't even tell his superiors that he's fixed it and it all gets lost, you know. That's interesting. I think he's still playing with nice ideas here. It's just not. A, Maybe a good, they just needed a, a few more rewrites. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> He's just, he's, he's, it's like we're saying, he's getting really ambitious with the playing field he wants to use. And we're going to see that with the next films, whether it works or not. But yeah, we get another nice mist scene of the military standing by the train lines, making the perimeter. And then the fiance girl, oh boy. Antibiotics doesn't work apparently because she's starting to go crazy too. And yeah, I, this is the point where I, I look down at my notepad to write what was happening. And then I look back up and he's just, he's just pulled her in. He's made a little room that she now lives in. He's just putting <laughs> bricks around her. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? So what's the plan here then? Because they've got to the perimeter and we've just had them saying, they've just shown and said how many people are on this perimeter. It's crazy. Like it's actually unfathomably crazy because there's too many people to do an entire perimeter. And But then he's saying, wait here until they pass by. And then you can escape and I will join you later. Why would the perimeter move? It's a perimeter. Anybody? (laughs) (laughs) You lost me there. Yeah. I stopped writing notes at this point. (laughs) (laughs) So I just don't understand what the plan is. Because I was like, oh, how are they going to get by this perimeter? You know, I'm kind of invested in that. 
And then it's like, well, sit in my little room that I made for you and they'll walk right by you. It's like, why? (laughs) (sighs) But what we do establish is that all crazy people love the Zero Club or the Zebra Club. Yes. And they love, they cannot keep quiet. No. <laughs> they That's love so to good. giggle. They think everything's funny. Everything is funny. Yeah. Basically, crazy people are just stoned people, right? Because they're just knitting and sweeping and giggling at things. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> it's a pretty happy place to be. They all seem pretty yeah. fine. Yeah, I just, I fucking love this. I'm like, I want to make a sequel set at this Zero Club where every all of them keeps saying, oh yeah, let's meet there. Let's meet there. <laughs> it's fucking great. Uh, so then David hides, military come to a search, um, but he didn't lure them. So I don't know why they're suddenly turning up. Like, did I miss something? He didn't make a noise or anything. Mm, no, I think that guy got, he hit the chains and then noticed that stairway up to yeah. uh, that room. But for them to come in the first place, he doesn't lure them in or anything. They just, like the whole lot of them just turn up. Like yeah. loads of them. The chopper does an aerial flare, which I thought was pretty cool. Don't get to see those very often. And then they search and all move on apart from two guys, one who decides to go check up, up on the tower, which is where David's hiding. So he kills him, puts the mask on, and then replies to his friend, but in a completely different voice. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently gas mask means you can't recognize your friends anymore. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, meanwhile, the other one finds the fiance. So David knocks him out, freezes fiance. And here's where you think, I don't know about you guys, but what were you thinking was going to happen? Because for me, I'm like, I don't remember this film. It's a Romero film. I know there's going to be some sort of depressing ending. Like, there has to be a sort of twist going on here. I figured she'd die. Or she would be the only one to survive and she'd get out of the perimeter and spread the crazy. Right. Right. I was just like, I mean, what I do, again, he's, I do think it's a cool ending. So, like, there are some kids that are running through the fields they got guns and they think that he and his fiance are the army because he's dressed in the military hazmat suit mm-hmm. so they're shooting wildly they miss him and shoot his wife uh, so david then goes crazy and shoots well not literally not in the film crazy just <laughs> gets angry and then shoots two of the kids and then the last one suddenly comes through and we realize well he calls him coach yeah we really oh wow so he coaches now <laughs> would have been nice to get a scene of that at the beginning of the movie maybe like how much more powerful yeah. would this be if those kids were actually a part of the film like we really saw his relationship with them at the beginning yeah. of the film instead it means nothing here <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you, you have him just like really fucking, you know, bummed out and his, his fiance is dying. And then one of the last words to him is he's kicking uh, in her belly, which is really creepy. Like, it's really good on the page. His whole like idea of like, what's well, his fault. He tried to save her, but because he was dressed as a military, he actually gets her and his baby killed. Although technically they could have like whisked her awake and then tried to save the baby. I don't know. So then, yeah, they go through to Peckham. They're saying there were 3,613 people in this town, 2,100 survivors. So they tell him they did a, he did a good job. But, however, they're getting reports from Louisville and they have more symptoms there. Military drums kick in on the soundtrack again. He's going to have to be shipped out. Now he knows what he's doing to go and help out in Louisville. So for some reason, they make us see the entire medical procedure... <laughs> As Peckham's being checked out to make sure he doesn't have a disease. I don't know why, but we have to sit through him being checked like 
blood pressure, blood tests, breathing things. And then they, there's this little throwaway line where they say, we knew, we knew the beardy scientist was onto something before he died, but we're not sure what. But don't worry, figure it out. There's a rhesus monkey somewhere who's immune. Okay, yes. So there's a, a monkey that's <laughs> immune, and that's like a key factor of finding out how to find this vaccine, right? Or this right. cure. Right. And before the wife died, or before she got, no, before the uh, Prego lady got infected, she told him like, oh, well, maybe you're immune, naturally immune to it because yes. he didn't have the shot and she had the shot and he was still fine. And then after they say that thing about the monkey, he comes into the room. Do you think that so he's the and they just monkey? look at each other? <laughs> well, maybe he has that uh, natural immunity. Yeah, the rhesus monkey. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, like the monkey, the rhesus yeah, monkey. Yeah, I, th- I think you definitely, I think we're definitely meant to take through this film that, yeah, he is immune. And so maybe he carries my, a cure. Well, this is the thing, because I think that's what you're meant to take. But my question that comes in then is in this last minute, they bring in him straight away after saying this, um, saying that they know the beardy scientist was onto something, but they don't realize he had already cured it, basically. There's a rhesus monkey who was immune, so they know some things can be immune. Then they bring in David, and then he asks the scientist guy, asks the other guy, uh, do we want to do an immunity check on David? And the guy turns around and says, are you kidding me? And walks off. And I don't know which way that's meant to mean, because I think Romero saying it in a, are you kidding me? No, don't bother. He's clearly like crazy or doesn't matter. And the irony being, no, he is the immunity that you're looking for is standing right in front of you and you're going to ignore it in another mm-hmm. military failure. I think yep. that's what he's trying to say. Yeah. But how it plays with the, are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me? To me, sounds like, are you kidding me? Of course you should. <laughs> like, that's how it sounds to me in the delivery and the context of the scenes. Like, why wouldn't you do an immunity check on this guy? Like, he's immune. Clearly, he's been running around and it hasn't hit him yet without a hazmat suit. So for me, it's like, I love the idea again. There's a double whammy ending here that I love, but neither of the scenes are played outright. The coach thing doesn't work. And this scene doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. So basically bad direction. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Bad direction, bad acting, few lines of dialogue that are just like ill-advised. Because I think it's a killer ending otherwise, like I really do. But don't worry, because then we get to see Peckham getting into a UV square oh. under a chopper <laughs> and taking up Yum. all his clothes uh, and getting into the chopper during an end credits cheesy song. Um, so this is yeah they got in trouble for this they had no trouble shooting in the town that they shot in other than when they did this scene and lawyers had to be called in in the end to resolve the situation because locals were very upset when they saw a naked man uh, shooting (laughs) like when they were shooting a naked man I don't think race came into it I don't think but it is possible no idea Um, so they actually had to bring in lawyers to try and like placate the situation with the locals who were very upset about nudity being done public uh, for this scene no cockstock, apparently. Just, you know, <laughs> fully nude. Good for them. <laughs> that was my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> so there you go. That was Romero's 1973, The Crazies. I don't normally, we end these podcasts and I have a whole bunch of facts. I've only got two about it. One which is to do with why he made it. Like he wanted to make a film that was similar to Knight's themes, which were about, yeah, as we said, people responding to a situation. And then the reasons behind the situation weren't as important to him. Um, and the horror for him is the horror from a social point of view rather than 
the the creature kind of point of view, which I think is a problem. I have friends who hate Romero's films, and I think it's because they enter them thinking they're going to be a horror film about a horror, and they're not. They're a horror about something else, um, which I kind of appreciate his intentions, but it's whether it works or not. And it's interesting now, I think, just to see what he was influenced by. So growing up, he was really influenced by The Thing from Another World. This is a very classic horror film that was then remade by John Carpenter in 1980 for one of the best, one of the best horror films ever made is the remake. And it's this idea of a small group of people trapped in a small location dealing with a situation uh, that's come at them. Basically, that's what he's really interested in uh, with these films. In this one, I think that the problem is, is the small people in a small room at the military, whereas the protagonists are out roaming around and yeah. He doesn't seem to be that interested in that stuff. Now, Christina, Haruka. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know if you got any enjoyment out of this film, what your final feelings on it. Would you recommend it? And next week, we're going to be dealing with Dawn of the Dead, which is the proper, I will say sequel, but it's not really Mm -hmm. a sequel, but a proper follow on from Night of the Living Dead. I want to know what you're hoping for after this with that film. Uh, Christina. Okay, I could see why people would want to watch this film if if you're a Romero fan and you want to see um, the progression of his career, you know, and his artistry. So I would suggest it to those who who want to learn more about Romero. But I I wouldn't suggest it as just a standalone film just to watch for fun. Now, after watching it, I hated it while I watched it. <laughs> Um, And I had to watch it in two sessions. I had to take a break, a day break. I watched it, I think, half of it one day and then the other half the next day. (laughs) Because I kept finding myself checking out, you know, getting distracted and not listening because it was hard to hear them. I found myself just like not listening. But talking about it now, I find a lot of it funny you know, and there's a lot of things to talk about with this movie. So I'm like 50-50 on watching it and not watching it. I thought it was too long. They could have cut so much out of it. There was way too much yelling for me. And it wasn't like interesting yelling. It was just like yelling. I didn't feel any connections to any of the characters. I didn't really care if any of them lived or died. So that kind of sucked, you know, that didn't help pull me through the movie and uh and then i don't know if it was bad acting bad direction bad writing but maybe all three <laughs> 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 and i do like uh, i i was excited about the cover really excited me and also when you um turn on the dvd and they have that little like you know the little clips of the movie mm. it looked really cool but didn't really <laughs> but, <no. laughs> but once you press play was it as cool as so i what hoped do you it was want then from him returning properly to zombies next week what do okay, you want i that? want it to maybe be a little bit more like the first movie mm, more insular and, like more just a group in yes, one place yes I, I hope it's a little bit simpler i hope that there's less characters um so that you could you know focus more on the main characters and maybe connect to them a little better and and maybe they could have a little uh, their story could be crafted a little better okay Haruka. i mean i actually had fun watching it 
I did. You did. You did. <laughs> I thought it was really Maybe amazing. Maybe because you had a, you had Al with you. It's true. That, <laughs> yeah, that definitely helps a lot. But you know, like I like the fashion, the seventeens fashion. I do I like seventies like fashion. You know, oh, like, God. <laughs> I actually like the best friend character. Like I thought Gap it was two. like. Okay. Huh? Yeah. Gap two. <laughs> yeah. I like the bit where the you know like the couple was you know talking about how he was infected and he was and they were like oh his his fighting it but he's losing it and I was like oh <laughs> he's fighting it <laughs> you know some amazing quotes as we discussed mm-hmm. um, some very awful moments like the you know the incest vibes and stuff was pretty horrible. But, you know, you know. It's so out of context that the incest stuff yeah. is weird because it's like, well, this should, should be horrible. But A, I don't care about either of them. I've barely figured out their father and daughter. And B, they're both crazy and they both seem into it. So it's like, all right, I don't see like anything bad really. <laughs> like, so when you're crazy, you become sexual. Yeah, it's a turn on. <laughs> um, there's a lot of like, you know, like buzzwords like, infection and airborne and quarantine and all the you know the mm-hmm. buzzwords of modern zombie films which was you know pretty cool to see in the 70s movie and yeah it reminded me a lot of 28 days later and 28 weeks later obviously not nearly as well done obviously but you know it was it was cool to see the where all the inspiration came from mm, the seedlings yeah, but, of it yeah so what yeah, do you was- want from a proper follow-up to Night of Living Dead next week then? Oh, exactly the same would be great. Exactly the same as Night, not, not as this. As this. As this? No, I'm, I'm joking. You want no. exactly the same? Haruka wants more crazies. I was joking. <laughs> I think she's infected, Al. She's infected. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, simpler filmmaking would be appreciated, I think. More awesome soundtrack, more military drum beats. No, <laughs> I hate you so much. You're killing me. Well, I hope the next one is good. Oh, and I hope they'll treat women better in the next film. Oh God, please give us some good female characters, mm-hmm. please. Yeah, yeah, that's a good please. point. Actually, in this one, you only really had two. One's crazy from the beginning, so she's got no chance. And the other one, yeah, she hasn't. I mean, she seen at the beginning. I had hope. I really did. I, I did thought, have oh, she hope. could be fine. I did, but she does nothing. And also the the, the, the the scientists, they just shut her down. Every oh, time yeah. he shuts her down. God damn it, woman. <laughs> Will you marry me? Will you marry me? <laughs> what? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think I am, like I said at the beginning, in my brain, I'm, I remembered this film and I mixed up the stuff from the remake thinking this one really started that era of zombies. And I think the point I was trying to make were two, one which I think I do make, which is that from a social commentary point of view, this could be a living dead film. Sure, it doesn't have zombies in it, but he's dealing with all the things. And I think it may not be obvious to you both now, but as you see the next two films, he's dealing with the things he's going to be wanting to discuss in the rest of the dead films. And I really do see this. If you just replace them with zombies, this is such a Romero living dead film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then I also was trying to make a point of, everyone always says the Romero zombies versus 28 Days zombies. 28 Days zombies are the fast, virus-infected, you know, ferocious, rabid creatures. And Romero zombies are these stumbling, shuffling things, which as we noticed last week, were more animated than people like to remember originally. 
I, in my head, I remember this as the crazies. He also invented the fast zombies. I also, I was like, I want to prove that Romero actually invented both types of zombies and people don't give him credit. It's not the case. You kind of get it in that opening scene. So I still had hope there. I was like, yeah, cool. This is what it's going to be. It's this guy running around destroying stuff. Doesn't happen for the rest. The crazies aren't fast. They're not really trying to attack people. Um, but the idea is there for sure of like the virus, you know, like it's very much a staple now for infected movies is a lot of stuff from here. And absolutely, this has been an influence on that entire dawn of modern zombie films, but not with the zombies themselves, I have to admit. How do I feel about the film? I don't know. It's not good. <laughs> it's. I was really hoping this would be better. It's again, I think there's a lot of ideas on paper that actually are great. And I do think the ending has the potential to be a knockout, but I don't care enough about the characters and then they don't deliver that knockout, you know, in a, in a clean enough fashion. I really think it's a mistake to be at the military this much. I really think that you can make those points much more succinctly um, and then let's just stick to our, our groups. It's very ambitious and admirable of him, I think, to do what he's trying to do here, but it, it's just a mess. The soundtrack really doesn't help me. I hate the soundtrack so much. And the sound design I hate so much. It's just a cacophony that's battering my eardrums. Um, so no, literally. I don't. Yeah, literally. I don't recommend this. I don't recommend this film. But yeah, like you're saying, like if you've seen all the other dead films from Romero, then yeah, I think this is one you should check out because it's not terrible. And I will say like if you're watching it with friends, yeah, I think it probably helps. Yeah, don't watch it alone. Watching this on my own, I would have phased in and out a lot. I really would. Yeah, it was hard to concentrate. To. Hard to concentrate. We weren't even laughing at it that much. We weren't have, every now and then we'd just turn and look at each other as if, did that Did that really happen? Yes. <laughs> yes. Like when you get a line yes. like, I ought to break your ass. Yeah. <laughs> did that really happen? Um, uh, as for what I want next week, I can't really say because I've seen them all. So unfortunately, I don't get to project. Um, but I agree with you. Like, I do think from the quality of these past two films, Romero is currently at his best when dealing with smaller, more, more controlled settings and doing a good pot boiler because that's what I liked about the first one. We will see. If you are listening to this, we would really appreciate it if you support us by going to weirdgeeks.com, weirdgeeks.com, and then patch out to all of our social medias, but especially to the rest of our podcasts. We have the Weird Geeks channel where you can listen to all of them, which include this Friday, every Friday uh, horror channel, where we go through different uh, horror retrospectives, including Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Child's Play, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, Hellraiser we just finished, lots of films. And we've also done like Danny Boyle, we're doing Star Wars stuff. And then every Tuesday, we have just a simple Geeks. Well, every other Tuesday, but at the moment, it's been every Tuesday. The Geeks podcast, where we just talk about topical stuff. And we talk about our own projects, because we're a production company right out of London, LA, and Tokyo, making feature films, short films, albums, all that fun stuff, and video games coming soon. And we're just about two weeks away from finishing our first feature film, Starfish. And we haven't talked much about it. If you want to hear stuff about, like last week, I think, on the podcast, I talked a lot about... Uh, my new album which has taken six years to make and i explained for the first time publicly why it's taken six years to make it and in a couple of weeks time we're actually going to be talking about starfish for the first time in a long time and explaining some of the stuff that's been going on there so yeah please do support us by going weirdgeeks.com go to our itunes go to your podcast and subscribe and rate us because we do all this for free and it really helps us out you can follow me on all the social medias as m-r-a-l-w-h-i-t-e mr al white as well as on the xbox 
What about you guys? I'm on Instagram and Twitter at underscore hi, Christina, H-I, Christina. <laughs> and I'm um, <laughs> on Instagram as Haruka and on Twitter as at Haruka.abe, I think. I think. <laughs> Such conviction. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just look for Haruka Abe. I'll find you. Really, thank you both for joining me on this journey. I hope that you haven't been put off. Well, it doesn't sound like I think Haruka's all in. Christina, I oh, hope yeah. you'll join us next week. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, it's going to hey, get longer. We're going to be two hours, 10 minutes long because we're going to be watching the theatrical cut. Not the uh, There's an extended director's cut, but we'll be getting into why that's not really the real director's cut. And then there's a shorter uh, European cut. Um, but we'll explain all that next week. When Wait, we're how be long tackling. is our movie next week? Two hours, 10 minutes. we're going to be tackling the epic zombie dawn of the dead from 1978 and we're all going to be going to the mall until then we are out geeks geeks or the mall is that is it mall in america or mall mall (laughs) mall where does mall come from (laughs) yeah it's a mall shopping mall yeah all right yeah Shopping. I know some, maybe that's a, a regional thing in the UK. I know some people say shopping Mao. Mao. No, I've never heard of that. I've never heard that. Okay. Must be a UK thing. <laughs>